This is episode number 155 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Welcome to High Impact Leaders. I'm your host, Doug Stannert of the Leaders Institute, and our goal is to help you build strong teams while growing a successful business. This week, I'm interviewing Kelsey Greenwood, who is an expert on teamwork and team building. She just published a paper on how to effectively deal with team conflicts as a team leader. So I wanted to have her come on and let us know what she discovered. She basically outlines a very, very simple four-step process to help make team conflicts more beneficial to the team. I mean, we also often think of uh, conflicts as things that you want to avoid or resolve, but Kelsey kind of shows us that conflicts are actually very helpful if the team leader is using effective team conflict techniques. By the way, if you are enjoying the podcast, I'd like to ask a favor of you. Would you mind leaving me a review on your podcast app? The podcast content is absolutely free. And positive reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify help us keep the show free. So it only takes a couple of seconds, and I really, really appreciate the feedback. So enjoy the interview with Kelsey Greenwood. Hey, so hey, Kelsey, welcome to High Impact Leaders. Thank you, Doug. It's great to be here. Yeah. So, okay. So um, one of the thing, reasons I wanted to have you on is that I know that that one of the things that you kind of fun, you kind of find fun. I know the rest of us kind of find it frustrating is kind of dealing with conflict and helping other people deal with conflict especially when they're in leadership roles, you know, when when uh, it, sometimes it's team members that 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 report directly to us that are kind of in a conflict and sometimes it's just the way that we're kind of dealing with our our team members that kind of is off-putting in in some way and can create challenges, problems, conflicts, that kind of thing. So just out of curiosity, what was it that kind of got you involved or made you want to um, kind of delve into this even more and and kind of really help people out to, on conflict solving? Yeah, well, I think, I think conflict, um, a lot of people, there's like a big misconception that conflict means there's something wrong within the company or that mm-hmm. something has failed. But really, I think conflict is... Uh, an avenue for an opportunity for constructive feedback, for conversation, communication. And I think communication is a huge pillar in any team environment, in any relationship to build stronger connections. And it's something that most of us struggle with. Most of us aren't really taught or modeled. Um, It's something for me personally that I've had to actively work on and learn. And so I have a big passion for it, for communication, because I think that's truly um, the the root of a strong team and strong culture in a company. You know, it's funny because I, I'm glad that you kind of started with that because when, you know, for, you know, I've been doing leadership development, communication skills, problem solving, stuff like that for 25 plus years or so. And, and the big focus up until really recently, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, hitting myself in the head going, oh my God, why why, are, why is your focus this? Has always been conflict resolution. You know, how do you resolve conflicts and that kind of thing? 
And it wasn't until, I mean, I, I guess I'm just not the sharpest knife in the shed sometimes, but um, <laughs> that's not even, a, that's not even a, that's a mixed metaphor, but, it's uh, but, not true. <laughs> but, but anyway, but um, that's, that's, that proves that I'm not a sharp, um, but basically uh, um, w- one of the things that I kind of changed after kind of having a few discussions with you is, is changing that focus from conflict resolution to kind of seeing that conflicts in a lot of cases are what causes growth. Mm-hmm. It's where we find something out that's not working as well as what we want. And then we kind of improve on it. And it's funny because I, that's the way I built my company. That's the way I built um, the, 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 um, the team that, that we have here, but not something that we've kind of really focused on with our, with our customers and clients. And so I, I know that's a big part of, a, of what you kind of talk about too, is it's not just dealing with conflicts, but it's about, how to make those conflicts have a more positive outcome so that we're kind of learning and growing it and growing from it. Right. Totally. And I think oftentimes conflict actually has less to do with the topic or the actual conflict and more to do with how we address it, how we communicate through it, how we work through it as a team. And even as team leaders, you know, I think um, there can also be a misconception of like, okay, as a leader, my job in solving conflict or, you know, some type of resolution is to, you know, move these pieces, tell these people to do this, and then, you know, that solves it. But it's really more so just opening the avenue for, for open conversation and to have a, you know, open dialogue within the company and to ask more questions, essentially. Right. Okay, cool. Okay. So with all that being said, with kind of that, that as the the intro, you you come up with four kind of key things, a four-step process that really helps if it's not resolving the conflict, at least having the conflict turn into a more positive kind of outcome and keeping it from intensifying into something where it becomes a, a, a personality challenge or or something like that. So so kind of take us through the the four steps. What's the the very first thing that um that you kind of show people to help them kind of deal with conflicts in a more positive way? Yeah. So the first step is to always ask yourself, I, I always think about it like point inward first. So like ask yourself, where can I take responsibility for this team conflict? Start with yourself because if you find yourself in a conflicting situation, you do play a role. That's the reality. We're so often, we're often quick to point fingers. You do this, or this is what's wrong when it's really like, let me point the finger back at myself first, see what my role is in all of this. Um, And so, you know, actually early on in my career, I uh, found myself in a place of burnout. I was, you know, going at a rapid speed and I was like a total yes man. So I was always just like, yeah, I'll take this on. I'll do this. And my schedule just piled and piled, piled. And, um, I, I eventually reached a point of burnout. I started experiencing health issues and I started to get really frustrated and became, um, started to become really resentful also towards my boss. Cause I'm like, well, my plate's so full and I'm going at a million miles a minute. And I was doing that thing where I was pointing my finger and pointing your finger is actually a really disempowering place to be. Um, and so finally I decided to take, you know, the healing and the resolution of this burnout into my own hands. And I'm like, well, pointing the finger is not working. So let me point it inward. And and what has my role been? And I discovered that, you know, the, the frustration and the burnout had less to do with my boss and where I was pointing my finger and more to do with where I was saying yes, where I didn't have boundaries for myself. And so that was, that's an example of how I had to step up and take responsibility in order to initiate some type of change in that, in that um, experience. 
Right. So in that, in that situation, I mean, we we want to be we want to please you know our coworkers. We want to please our um, our boss and that kind of thing. And and the boss never told you that you had to work you know ninety hour weeks. The boss yeah. never told you had to work on Saturday <laughs> and Sunday and do your work at night. The boss never told you any of that stuff, and then probably never even encouraged you to do a lot of that stuff, right? Yeah. So I think a really great way of just addressing that is asking yourself, like. Right. What has been my role in this? You know, mm-hmm. what have I been available for? What have I been saying yes to? That's actually a no. Right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So that's so. Step one is you know so uh, instead of pointing the blame at somebody else, and and granted, it takes two to be in conflict. You know, so mm-hmm. we're not saying that you're the only person that is responsible for the for the conflict, but. If there's a conflict, there's a good chance that something that each one of those people did that that are having a conflict did to either start the conflict or at least aggravate it. And so sometimes we have to kind of just kind of take a step back and and say, okay, what 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 did I do that either caused this or intensified this? And then uh, how can I do something different with that later? Use it as a learning experience, right? Absolutely. And I think too, also, when you take responsibility, it, it kind of starts to dissolve some of those defensive barriers when it's like, oh, you know, this person's coming to the table saying, you know, this is what my role has been. And then addressing the conflict, having open communication, it just, it breaks down those, those sharp armors that we, we get when conflict arises. Yeah. Okay. So once we do that, once we kind of say, okay, so yeah, at least I had 10% of the, (laughs) of the, of the, Challenge. I, I caused ten percent of it. Ninety percent is from somebody else, right? So, I've, <laughs> so I've, I've I've done that. All right. So I figured out who's caused um what of it. So what's the what's step two? What's the second thing that we can do to to kind of make these things more powerful or or better anyway? So step two, try to understand the other person's perspective, where they're coming from, before making your point, before inserting your opinion and saying, "Well, this is what I think." Um, and actually, Stephen Covey, he's the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says, seek to first understand, then to be understood. Right. Um, and so kind of like I was just touching on is I think, you know, the best conflict resolution strategies involve first dissolving any of that like defensive reaction um, from either person. And, and the best way to do that is by seeking to understand, which yeah. essentially just, you know, ask more questions, ask Ask somebody what they mean by that. And I actually have a um, a funny example. An ex-partner of mine and I, we had very limited time together. And so Saturdays were like our errand days. And we had this, you know, this whole errand thing mapped out. And, and I'm like, okay, we wake up. I'm like, so uh, when when do you want to leave? When do you plan on leaving? He's like, we'll leave soon. He's like, Great, soon. I'm going to go get ready soon to me. 15, 20 minutes, no problem. He goes into his computer or into his office, gets on his computer a little bit. And, you know, half hour passes by. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe it's just taking a little bit longer. Then an hour passes by and I'm getting frustrated. And I'm like, what the heck? I thought we were leaving soon. And he's like, yeah, soon. Like, you know, two to three hours. I'm like, how is that soon? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that's soon. But what I came to realize is that we actually had different definitions of the word soon. And it sounds silly, but something as simple as that is, you know, I learned in that, in that experience, oh, let me try to understand, you know, what he means by that before assuming that, you know, his soon is the same as my soon you know, we're all, we're all walking through life through um, looking through different lenses. We all have different perspectives, different definitions of the world that have been shaped by our experiences and our upbringing and all of that. And so I think, you know, first seeking to understand 
before just being like, well, this is what I think and this is how I feel can help dissolve any barriers and ultimately lead to some type of resolution. So ask questions to get clarity from the other person, I think is really important. And just and just as a just to kind of add even just to add even more clarity to the clarity to this. I think one of the cool things about what Kelsey, what you're saying here is that um you're not saying he's wrong and you're not saying that you're right. And you're not saying that you're wrong or that you're right. You know, it's basically what you're what you're saying here is that. We don't necessarily have to agree with the other person mm-hmm. with their view, but if we can just understand where they're coming from, it can help us get in step with them a little bit faster and a little bit easier. And sometimes it's just a matter of just stopping and asking a couple of questions, make sure we're kind of on the same page, even though we may not be in agreement about what the definition of soon is, as long as we kind of understand that that, that that his definition is different than my definition, it makes it to where we're less likely to get into a conflict or or causing that that frustration or that anger that is likely to come when that miscommunication occurs, correct? Exactly. That was super well said. Yes. Um, yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Nice. Good, good. All right. So, okay. Step three. All right. So we, so we've kind of, um, taken some of the responsibility, at least for the, for the, the conflict that is about to happen or starting to happen or has happened. Now we're, we're looking at things from the other, we're putting ourselves in that other person's shoes to kind of see why is he thinking the way that he's thinking? Why is she doing the things that she's, she's doing? So what's the third thing now, now that we've kind of, how do we, how do we, kind of make it to where that that conflict is um is is has more of a positive outcome. Yeah, so step 3 is to be empathetic but direct in your communication. So to me what this means is, you know, make your point clear but have some soft edges, right? Like <laughs> we want to we don't want to just like drill somebody and and just have, you know, a sharp stab there and then, you know, make somebody feel like, oh, well, now I don't even feel motivated to continue creating or to try this thing again. You know, we want to empower each other through our communication. We don't want to, you know, bring people down. And so um, an example I gave in this one too, is something called a feedback sandwich. I actually learned this from a friend who studied psychology um, and it's been really helpful and, and, in my life and all of my relationships, but essentially a feedback sandwich is like something positive and then the little criticism or feedback in between there and then, and then sandwich it with another positive um, thing so that it just, it softens the edges. You know, it's like the point is there, but it, um, an example is, you know, say you're giving feedback to somebody who on your team is creating a PowerPoint for this big meeting and, you know, you can start by being like, yeah, thank you so much for completing this. You know, you did it in a timely manner. Um, And then the feedback could be, you know, I think it would be helpful to elaborate on each topic in two to three sentences and provide some examples. Um, But overall, the format is really easy to follow and it looks great. So it sounds more positive and more encouraging. And thus, uh, your team member was more likely to be receptive to it and also motivated to continue creating, continue trying new things and and that's um, that sort of thing. So, you know, I don't think sugarcoating is is not the uh, the way right. of doing this. You know, you don't want to be indirect and kind of beat around the bush. Um, that just kind of leaves room for like guessing and assumptions, which just creates more fog um, and also can just create disharmony when it's like, well, I don't know what they want. And, you know, then there's more back and forth and time wasted. And so I think clear communication is direct communication, right? And um, then that's where empathy comes in too, softening right. those edges and, um, you know, empathizing can, can come in 
communication and, and the words you use, but also in your body language and your facial expressions and having a soft smile, raising your eyebrows, seeming engaged. I think that's really important. Yeah. And, and th- those things are critical, by the way. Being a type A driver type person myself, I know that I, I don't have a problem being direct. <laughs> you ask me <laughs> my opinion, I will tell you my opinion. And then I, half the time I have to go, okay, well, that didn't actually come out the way that I wanted it to. Let me kind of <laughs> rephrase that after the person walks out of my office crying, you know, so, um, not necessarily the awareness, my, the awareness not, is key. <laughs> not necessarily my, my, my strength. Um, but I, I like what you kind of said there that, um, sometimes we, I think one of the biggest challenges that, that those of us who are kind of, you know, naturally kind of direct, um, have the, the biggest, biggest challenge anyway, is that we think that we, we don't really anticipate, how people are going to respond to what we say, because people can take, I mean, we, I can sometimes if I'm giving some type of feedback, I may think in my head that this is positive, constructive feedback. You know, it's nothing negative at all, but sometimes just my tone or my demeanor can make it to where the person is like, Oh my God, what a jerk. You know, why is he, why is he telling me that? I don't even, you know, half the time they weren't really asking for my advice anyway. They just wanted to, for me to hear them and and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just kind of responding directly without that empathy to the other person, uh, it can can be a challenge. I know like, like for me, I, I have to kind of pause when somebody is, is especially if, if somebody is telling me something about something emotional that's going on, something important that's going on. A lot of times I have to kind of pause. It's really hard to do, by the way, pause and just kind of say, Okay, why is he telling me this? Why is she telling me this? Is it, does, does he want me to help help him fix this? Or is he just frustrated and he's trying to trying to um vent a little bit? Because if a lot of times just being that empathetic ear can make it to where the conflict never occurs in the first place because all they really wanted to do was just be listened to, right? Yeah, I actually really love that example uh, that you just provided is, you know, do they want my feedback or do they just want me to listen? And I think even having the courage to ask that question, if you're, if you really, if you can't read the room and like, you're really unsure, I think that can actually be really powerful because sometimes people do just want you to listen. And sometimes people don't even know they just want you to listen. But, and again, like even that, that sort of communication can can create the space for resolution and for somebody to feel heard and to move through it and then to be stronger and have, uh, you know, even stronger connections as a team. Okay. So step one, we've kind of taken responsibility for some of the the conflict. We've taken our time to look at things from the other person's point of view, look, put ourselves in that person's shoes. Now we've been empathetic and we've responded in a, in a fairly direct way so that there's less chances of miscommunication. All right. So what's step four? What's the last thing? Step four, during the team conflict, invite the other person into the conversation by asking questions. So as you can see, there's kind of a theme to all of this. It's all kind of centered around communication, which is a really foundational piece for strong teams, strong relationships. Um, And so, you know, it takes two, two or more to have a conversation. It takes two to tango. And so, um, you know, if you're addressing conflict, have open dialogue about it. Just like the feedback sandwich I gave in the last and uh, the third step, you know, maybe at the end. So you you give your feedback, you kind of um, kind of fluff it with some empathy and then ask the person, invite them in. You know, what do you think about that? Do you think that's a good idea? Ask for their input. So it feels like this is a team decision versus just like, 
hey, this is what you need to do. Go do it. Great job. You know, keep it up. And I think that um, it just allows us to grow. It allows us to all feel like we're contributing and working towards that common goal that we are. Nice. Yeah. It's funny because you kind of mentioned the theme, the communication theme all the way through this is that conflict is most likely caused a lot of times by just miscommunication, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, assumptions that we made. We thought somebody was saying something or telling us some one thing and we misinterpreted it and that caused a conflict. But it's interesting how I think in almost every one of these, if not every one of these, the solution that you're 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 giving us is to kind of pause and ask a question before you kind of respond and lay blame pause and ask a question before you um before you um make a uh, make a a decision on what's going on pause and look at things from that other person's perspective you don't understand it ask a question right be empathetic and good way to be empathetic is to kind of pause and ask a question and then finally at the end you know when the conflict is going on get them into the conversation so it is a that is a a, a pretty solid theme all the way through this i think the the major thing that i'm gathering from the the advice that you're giving is that uh, the more that we're talking and giving information, the more likely we are to be to cause a conflict, right? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> but I mean, it takes a lot of patience, right? To like you were just saying that pause. It that takes practice. That's not something that always comes no. naturally to us. Um, and I think it's a, a soft skill that's really important to learn is to to cultivate the patience by practicing the pause, like just the pause in between. We're always going at such a rapid rate, like, oh, let's get this done and this done and this done. And it's great to be able to um, work efficiently and effectively and, and work fast. But if we really want to build strong connections in our teams, that pause is really important to practice, to cultivate that patience, to create the space for open conversation and and to hear each other and to essentially grow and, and build in the way that we want to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Well, Kelsey, thanks a lot for being a part of High Impact Leaders. Um, we'll put your your LinkedIn information if you guys if people want to connect with you on LinkedIn, that'll be in the in the show notes. And we'll also put a link to the the post that you created about this with the four steps. All free. All you have to do is just kind of go and look at the show notes, click the link, and you can be connected with with Kelsey or get the information that she's kind of written in the post. So thanks a lot for being a part of High Impact Leaders. Awesome. Thanks, Doug. Mm-hmm.